And we're back. Welcome to the EBR podcast, the writer's show where I get to talk to authors about the art and business of writing and publishing. Today, we're going to focus on an indie publisher taking his first steps with putting a book out and putting it out the right way. He's written a great story. He's hired an editor and a cover designer and has put in a solid marketing plan. Basically, all the things you need to do to have indie publishing success. His name is Keith W. Richardson, and his brand new steampunk book is about to be launched on the 29th of August. We'll get to Keith in a moment. Self-publishing is a big task, and it's a topic close to my heart. That's what we do here at Madhouse Media Publishing, and Keith is a great example of doing it the right way, and he's got a great story to tell. Now, it's never been easy to self-publish. It's the great revolution in publishing that's been happening since the launch of the Kindle back in 2007. And a lot has happened since then. Many authors have been empowered to self-publish and create viable writing careers. Indeed, the original name for this podcast was The Ebook Revolution. But, and this is always my but, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. The right way is to treat your art with respect. Hire a graphic designer, hire an editor. Do what it takes to create the best product you can. Design a launch campaign and give your book the best chances of success. I'm happy to share that Keith has done all this the right way. Keith W. Dickinson is a writer of steampunk, fantasy, crime, and whatever else takes his fancy. He was shortlisted for the prestigious Lindisfarne Prize in 2019. His brand new book is called Dexter and Sinister, Detecting Agents. And I was delighted to talk to him about steampunk, talking cats, and the unique fun of self-publishing. Let's talk to Keith. Keith W. Dickinson, uh, tell us about the Lindisfarne Prize. That sounds that's quite interesting to me. Um, well, the Lindisfarne Prize uh, was set up by the author L. J. Ross. Um, she's from around that area. She wrote a number of crime novels, very successful crime novels, set in that area. And she wanted to give something back to writers in the northern region, so she set up this crime writing prize. Um, which is done as part of the Newcastle Noir Crime Writing Festival. And um, I was lucky enough to be one of the shortlisted for the first prize last year. That's fabulous. Um, what did you win? Uh, I didn't win. <laughs> I was just shortlisted. <laughs> but no no prizes for the people. shortlist. That's, that's an outrage. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um, I, I think the winner was very deserving and she had a full novel that she was going to be working on and uh, I think it's going to do a lot for her so it's very good. Well of course you know getting shortlisted is a, a great validation of um, your your craft. It is, it is and it's certainly the first sort of success, public success so we say that I've had. So, so um, on your bio um, on Twitter Oh, okay. I had a look at mm -hmm. uh, you. So you're a writer of steampunk and fantasy crime. Now, um, some of the listeners might not be acquainted with steampunk as a subgenre. Sub 
Mm-hmm. How would you describe it? Um, I suppose the best way I have to describe steampunk would be it's sort of a, it's kind of like sci-fi, but it's 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 more about the aesthetic. So it's set in Victorian times, usually with modern technology, but in a old setting. So it's all steam powered. So you might have a steam powered horse, a mechanical horse, or something <laughs> like that. And yeah, a large part of the genre is to do with the style and the aesthetic and the feel of the. A lot of the um, festivals centre around dressing up and goggles and airship technology and yeah. a, lot, a lot of the uh, fancy dresses, this kind of prosthetic limbs and metal arms and things like that. It's really interesting. It's all very, um, I love the look of it all. So why, why were you drawn to write in this world? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I just liked it, if you know what I mean. I like the the idea of the the stories that you I've seen in steampunk so far, or the 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 ones that drew me. It's like the the manga film um, Steam Boy. Yeah. And it's just sort of they weren't all too hardcore. Um, I'm not into hardcore violence or anything like that. Um, I'm much more of a sort of a Discworld Terry Pratchett fan which was about being clever and it seemed like steampunk would lend itself to that very well you know um Terry Pratchett himself wrote a sort of not a steampunk novel but he wrote Dodger which is set in Victorian times and it definitely did sort of lend itself to that kind of story so I just went with it. So you've got a new book which uh we'll be talking about in a moment Dexter and Sinister Detecting Agents it's a great title and uh (laughs) The, the artwork is fabulous. Could you tell us a bit about the uh, the artist that um, helped you with the cover before we get oh, on to the book? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, my cover was done by a young lady called Jasmine Garcia Verdan, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, <laughs> she lives in Los Angeles, and I, I looked through a number of artists to try and find a, a good cover designer um and when i saw one of her pictures she had a picture of someone standing on the on the deck of an airship with Mm -hmm. a slightly mechanical dodo bird next to her looking out over uh you know an array of balloons in the sky and i thought that's it that's the one and it's been very interesting working with her i sent her my initial designs lucky in that i have a little bit of background background in design so i just sort of knocked an idea up sent it to her and she somehow made it into what I have, which is really, really nice. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful cover. We follow each other on Twitter, listen to this, and um, mm. one, one thing I, I'm often, uh, a, a hill I'll die on is um, self-published writers and authors um, doing their own covers. Because <laughs> there's some mm, hide- hideous yeah. ones out there. So it's- There is. I've seen some terrifying um, covers. And I understand it. Becoming self-published, it's it's a lot of work and it can be a lot of money, but it's money worth spending to look professional. That's it. It's uh, it's investing in yourself and you can go crazy and spend too much, but as, as you've discovered, you can get great work done, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, a budget. It's, I think it's about getting your money's worth because it, it's interesting. If I had loads of money, if I was super rich, I would have brought this out uh, over, you know, a long time ago 
and yeah. the book would have been terrible because I would have just given the sort of half-finished draft to somebody who could edit and said, edit that for me. Yeah. And it would have been bloated and messy and disjointed. And it might have had a nice cover, but it would have been a terrible story. So having money or not having money is, is a blessing and a curse in, in equal measure. Because <laughs> I've seen some um, really good covers by authors who also, you know, like um, there's a steampunk novel, Fogbound, by Gareth Clegg. And yeah. he did his own cover. And it's a nice cover. You know, it's yeah, very simple, yeah. but he knows what he's doing, you know. Um, That's the key. <laughs> yeah. It's... it's if people are thinking of doing their own cover, they should think about the idea of what, what if an artist was going to write the book? What about being an artist makes them able to write the book? What about writing a book makes you able to do a cover? Yeah. People have skills. I think um, what happens with a lot of self-published artists that can't quite let go of the cover process is they put every everything in the book in the cover, like everything that happens. Right, yeah. It's <laughs> in the cover. Okay, so. yeah. It's yeah, it's the tease. It's got a you know. Yeah. I, des I design mine to stand out um, at, at a convention. And so it's it's fabulous, and I, I've I've got one listener, so I recommend, dear listener, <laughs> to <laughs> have a look at our Dexter and Sinister Detecting Agents cover. Now, um, tell us about the book. What's it about? Oh God, the age-old question that terrifies all writers. <laughs> Um, Dexter and Sinister is a steampunk murder mystery starring John Sinister, um, a very clever man who should have got his life together by now, and Dexter, the world's only walking, talking, mechanical cat. Um, Love it. Basically, quick pitch, John Sinister is hired to look into some shady goings on at the airship factory, but as he starts his investigation, people start dying, he ends up on the wrong side of some very nasty people, and then he meets Dexter, who does not make his life any easier. And it just gets more complicated from there. <laughs> so where, where did the inspiration come from, mechanical steampunk cat? Um, very sort of weirdly, randomly. Um, I was reading one of the um, long novels, long earth novels by um, Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter. And... There was just a moment in it where these three characters were discussing different ways of talking about left and right, and something in Widdishins and Dexter and Sinister is one of them. Um, you know, Dexter means right in Latin, and Sinister means left. It just, I just read that and thought, oh, that sounds like a pair of detectives, Dexter and Sinister. <laughs> and then I was thinking, I... I'd written a novel and I'd gotten an agent and I was waiting for the agent to try and place that novel with a publisher. And I had a choice of what do I write next? Do I write the sequel to that novel that has yet to be published or mm -hmm. do I write something else? And because I didn't know if that novel was going to be published, there was no point writing a sequel just yet. So I thought, well, I'll write this other thing. What do I want to write? I wanted to write a steampunk thing. I had Dexter and Sinister in my head, but, you know, but it just, what would make it more interesting? Oh, a talking cat. It's that simple, you know. You just, ideas line up in your head and then fall into place. It has a touch of the Douglas Adams as well, which which I love. Uh, it, it, I certainly hope so. Uh, Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett's all contemporaries, certainly um, Sir Terry's been a great influence on me. That humour is very appealing. 
This is part of a series? It's part of a planned series, certainly. Yep. Um, I have six or seven novels in my head at the moment. Oh, yeah. I'm starting work on the, the second one now, um, which is going to be all Sky Pirates. And then the third one is probably going to be something to do with um, Martians uh, and travelling to the to Mars. And then the fourth one is going to be a mechanical, mechanical Pony Express, which I'm currently calling the Phony Pony Express. And then possibly the Kraken Protection League, and then probably <laughs> Clockwork Samurai. But we'll see. <laughs> it's a long way down the road. I love that title, Clockwork Samurai. Yeah. How much detail do you put into mapping your stories out? What, what's your process? <laughs> I've tried. I've tried putting post-it notes on the wall. I've tried organising myself properly. Um, I do have to do a timeline, a written timeline, especially because it is a murder mystery. So you've kind of got to know what's happened. So you know what certain people know at certain points. So, you know, I kind of know how the story is going to go, but then I eventually have to go and sort of retcon my own thing to make it make sense when I get to the end. Um, but, yeah, I do timelines to just to keep track of what day it is and who did what when and who knew who knew what and what they were planning you know so when people have conversations you know uh, people i know what one person knows and the other one doesn't but it does get a bit complicated getting back to self-publishing you've um self-published this of course what what's been the hardest thing you've learned about this process i suppose the hardest thing is the fact that the publishing is not the hard part. Anyone can self-publish and it's quite easy to do. Yeah. The challenging yeah. part is the marketing. Is yep. is everything I'm doing now. Um, yeah. I'm I, I've been shooting videos, promo videos. I'm, the launch is going to be part of the Asylum Festival at the end of the month, but that's all happening online. And so I need a like a launch video and a promo video. So. I spent the past couple of days out with my twin brother shooting videos on, on the top of the fells and things and getting dressed cool. up. And, and now I'm going to have to, I do know how to edit video. Now I'm going to have to relearn how to edit video and having to make up adverts and stuff and even just like tweeting on a regular basis to keep people interested and keep things going, you know. Um, yeah, I think the marketing is more of the challenging part for me, especially, um, than it is the actual publishing. Are you going narrow or wide with the publishing? Is it just available on Amazon or you are there? Currently just available on Amazon, um, but I did, I have got it set up so I could put it on Smashwords as well. Yeah. But that's something I don't really know much about. So I'm going to have to look into that. Well, I can, I can, I highly recommend Smashwords, um, mm -hmm. mainly because there are, they're a great aggregator. You yeah. you don't tend to get that many sales out of the Smashwords platform itself, so it helps. Mm -hmm. But once the book is accepted into the Smashwords catalog, which is just a technical requirement, really, mm. um, it then gets submitted to um, their premium catalog. Your book will then automatically get shoved out into Apple, um, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, yeah. um, and a whole bunch of other um, e-retailers. So yeah. that 
the big the big advantage of Smashwords is you, you've got one sales dashboard for all those channels. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's because that's what I was thinking. That's what I was. That's what I thought it was like. Um, but you know, I just literally haven't looked yet. Do you do you have plans to for a print version? There will be a print version. Um, it is print and ebook. Um, oh, right. And yeah. It's, it comes out on the 29th. It's only available for pre-order now because you can only do pre-orders for eBooks on Amazon for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, there is a print version. I'm currently trying to get the uh, the front cover to look good. Yeah. Because uh, as, as you may have followed on Twitter, the first proof was uh, well, they basically sliced a whole quarter inch almost right the way around the cover for no good reason. Um, the second one came out okay, but we just done a few tweaks on the cover. So now we've got a third proof, which should be arriving today. And if that looks good, then we're all done. Yeah. Uh, hmm. yeah it's a bit, bit of a back, um, forward and backwards process. With, it is a little uh, bit. And it can be a little bit difficult dealing with Amazon because it's such a big company. There's sort of no one to take charge, as it were. So no, you end up, no. you know, you just talk to random people all the time and, a lot of their responses are stock responses. It's like, oh, the proof wasn't any good. Okay, have your money back. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> but fix it. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it depends which robot you get on the day. <laughs> True. Well, I, I called them in the end. You end up um, calling them. They're in, I think they're in Washington, D.C. So you end up speaking to them on the phone internationally saying, why doesn't this work? And the guy went, oh, it looks fine. should be fine. Try it again. And the second time it worked. So it's a roll of the dice. Yeah, I must admit I had some dealings with them um, just this week because I, I, I've i had an Amazon account for a few years, but I haven't updated my authors page for quite a while. So I mm. thought sort I'd of better get that in order for the my book launch. And uh, I was very amused to see there was another Jeff Hughes listed as an author oh. on, um, on my new book. And mm. the, the title was um, uh, Clog Dancing in Wales. <laughs> and I, I thought this was a wind-up, and I had a look, and it was actually a real book mm. written in 1920 or something. Okay. So, yeah. Some... That's very niche. <laughs> it could be a steampunk story itself. It could be. It could be. So... What, as a, as a writer, what would you say is the best uh, bit of advice you've ever been given? Um, Neil Gaiman gives the best writing advice, and he does, yeah. To to steal one of his, the first couple of his uh, brilliant list of, I think it's eight or ten things. All right, should know or whatever is number one write number two finish it and that's basically it um terry pratchett said the same sort of thing he said you can you can hope and dream and wish and pray um but you'll still no do no better or you'll do worse than the person who sits down and works at what they do and gets it out there and yeah that's basically it if you want to write sit down write don't worry about it. Get it out. Once you've written it down, you can fix it later. You'd be surprised because it's not set in stone. Everyone would love to finish their first draft to be perfect and polished and not have to do any work. Never, ever, ever happens, you know. 
to nah. probably your game in again. Um, your second draft is the art of looking like you knew what you were doing all along. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. The, the first draft of my book was uh, if practically unreadable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the first draft of Dexter and Sinister, the story was very sort of, when you do, when I, well, I can't speak for everybody, but when I do my first draft, you know, you throw all these elements in at the start because you think, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to establish that. But by the time you've gone got to the end, you maybe did that later on, so you don't need it at the start, so yeah. you can take it out. Yeah. And I had my very last draft on, I'll pass on this one, I took out three chapters because the only point of those chapters being in there was to have, to feature the Dexter, the cat. But in the rewrites, I'd introduced much more Dexter early on. So I didn't need those chapters. So I could take those out and save myself several, you know, uh, I think about a dozen pages. Detail do you put into mapping your stories out? Do you, do you buy the city of pants? Do you, do you map it out on a, on a whiteboard, oh, on a um, wall chart? What, what's your process? <laughs> I've tried. I've tried putting post-it notes on the wall. I've tried organising myself properly. Um, I do have to do a timeline, a written timeline, especially because it is a murder mystery. So you've kind of got to know what's happened. So you know what certain people know at certain points. So. You know, I kind of know how the story is going to go, but then I eventually have to go and sort of retcon my own thing to make it make sense when I get to the end. Um, but yeah, I do timelines to just to keep track of what day it is and who did what when and who knew who knew what and what they were planning. You know, so when people have conversations, you know, uh, people I know what one person knows and the other one doesn't but it does get a bit complicated. Getting back to self-publishing, you've um, self-published this, of course. What, what's been the hardest thing you've learnt about this process? I suppose the hardest thing is the fact that the publishing is not the hard part. Anyone can self-publish and it's quite easy to do. Yeah. The challenging yeah. part is the marketing. It yep. is is everything I'm doing now. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I've been shooting videos, promo videos. I'm, the launch is going to be part of the Asylum Festival at the end of the month, but that's all happening online. And so I need a, like a launch video and a promo video. So I spent the past couple of days out with my twin brother shooting videos on, on the top of the fells and things and getting dressed cool. up. And, are you going narrow or wide with the publishing? Is it just available on Amazon or you know Currently just available on Amazon. Um, but I did, I have got it set up so I could put it on Smashwords as well. Yeah. But that's something I don't really know much about. So. Do you, do you have plans to, for a print version? There will be a print version. Um, it is print and ebook. Um, oh, and yeah. It's, it comes out on the 29th. It's only available for pre-order now because you can only do pre-orders for eBooks on Amazon for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, there is a print version. I'm currently trying to get the uh, 
the front cover to look good. Yeah. Because uh, as, as you may have followed on Twitter, the first proof was, uh, well, they basically sliced a whole quarter inch almost right the way around the cover for no good reason. Um, the second one came out okay, but we just done a few tweaks on the cover. So now we've got a third proof, which should be arriving today. And if that looks good, then we're all done. As a, as a writer, what would you say is the best uh, bit of advice you've ever been given? Neil Gaiman gives the best writing advice. And he does, yeah. To, to steal one of his, the first couple of his uh, brilliant list of, I think it's eight or ten things, all right, should know or whatever, is number one, write. Number two, finish it. And that's basically it. Um, Terry Pratchett said the same sort of thing. He said you can you can hope and dream and wish and pray, um, but you'll still no, do no better, or you'll do worse than the person who sits down and works at what they do and gets it out there. And yeah, that's basically it. If you want to write, sit down, write. Don't worry about it. Get it out. Once you've written it down, you can fix it later. You'd be surprised because it's not set in stone. Everyone would love to finish their first draft to be perfect and polished and not have to do any work. Never, ever, ever happens, you know. To nah. quote Neil Gaiman again, um, your second draft is the art of looking like you knew what you were doing all along. It's very true. Yeah. Well, the first draft of Dexter and Sinister, the story was very sort of, I can't speak for everybody, but when I do my first draft, you, know, you throw all these elements in at the start because you think, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to establish that. But by the time you've gone got to the end, you maybe did that later on, so you don't need it at the start, so yeah. you can take it yeah. out. Yeah. And I had my very last draft on, I'll pass on this one, I took out three chapters because the only point of those chapters being in there was to have to feature the Dexter, the cat. But in the rewrites, I'd introduced much more Dexter early on. So I didn't need those chapters. So I could take those out and save myself several, you know, uh, I think about a dozen pages of just waffle, really. That could be a wonderful thing editing. Yeah, yeah. but that's as well. Um, I recommend hiring an editor. My friend, the author Margaret Ski, S-K-E-A-E-A. Um, I asked her about hiring an editor, and she, her response was basically, "I would live on potato skins to hire a good editor because they make all the difference. They spot all your inconsistencies. And they ask the questions like, you know, just." Little things. Is this accurate? Is this correct? Um, yeah. I think she yeah. gave the example of um, she had a dog in her story, and mm-hmm. by the end of the story, she was writing about the dog jumping up on the bed, and the editor was like, "You realise this dog's about twenty years old now. It's not going to jump on anything." <laughs> and it's just little consistencies, you know. Um, but editors, editors are worth a waiting gold. They really are. Oh, definitely. They can see where the fluff is or where the repetition is. And... Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're talking about spending money on a book, you know. Spending on a good editor is well worth it, as is spending on a good cover illustrator. Well, that's two bits of advice. What what advice would you give to writers wanting to self-publish, apart from getting an editor and um, um, a good cover designer? M- well, make sure it's good. 
and that sounds, I don't know, clever, stupid or whatever, but you need to give your book to other people to read, mm -hmm. to get their reactions. They don't have to be professionals. They don't have to know anything about writing. Um, as long as they, if you can find people who are your target audience, who can give sort of fan feedback, as it were, um, and even sometimes just the feedback is like, you know, if they stop reading, if they get bored, you know, at what point did you get bored? Why did you get yeah. bored? That's fine, yeah. But yeah, giving it to people to read, getting honest feedback, and then fixing it, rewriting it based on that feedback. You know, the people talk about um, like Hollywood test audiences as being the death of films, but sometimes they mess up, but sometimes they're good. Sometimes they go, the whole audience goes, oh, that's boring. Why, did that, why didn't that work? Or why didn't they laugh then? You know, you think they're going to laugh at that point. Oh, no, they didn't. Why not? Maybe take it out. You know, you just need, you need honest feedback. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap things up. But you've got a special offer going for our listeners. Um, do you want to talk Probably, about that? Yeah. Um, well, Dexter and Sinister is available on Amazon for um, the launch price of two ninety nine in the UK. Um, similar price wherever you are in the world. And also, if people go to um, my website, keithwdickinson.com, they can sign up for my newsletter, and at the end of the month, I'll be doing a giveaway of, I've got three signed copies I'm going to give away to followers of the newsletter. So if anyone wants a chance of winning a free book, I'm willing to ship worldwide, so don't worry about that. And uh, yeah, you can sign up there. And uh, with a uh, mechanical cat, I think you've got a, a, a great line of uh, merchandising to tie in there as well. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I do I do want to make some badges for the convention um, of Dexter on the cover. And then we'll see where we'll go from there. Cool. Well, thank you for appearing on the podcast, Keith. No and um, all the best of luck with uh, Dexter and Sinister. Great. Lovely. Thanks. Nice W. Dickinson talking about his new book, Dexter and Sinister, Detecting Agents, and it's a great name. Just to recap, Dexter and Sinister is available for the launch price of $2.99 in the UK and the equivalent everywhere else on the planet. Go to Keith's author's website at keithwdickinson.com, sign up for his newsletter, and at the end of the month he'll be giving away three signed paperback copies of Dexter and Sinister. It's a sweet deal. Get in now because you'll kick yourself in three years when Dexter and Sinister is the new go-to steampunk series on Netflix, won't you? Are you listening, Netflix? Get in touch with Keith. Remember, you can check the show notes for this episode at ebookrevolutionpodcast.com for all Keith's information. Today's show is sponsored by Madhouse Media Publishing. Remember, if you're listening and you are a writer and you're considering self-publishing, 
do it the right way and get in contact with the team at madhousemedia.com.au to talk you through your self-publishing options. If you're thinking of writing a book, have a project in mind, or a manuscript raring to go, the team at Madhouse can help you knock it into shape. Madhouse Media Publishing provides editing, design, and marketing services tailored exactly to your publishing project. It doesn't matter if it's fiction or non-fiction. The team at Madhouse Media Publishing will design a solution that is exactly right for you and your budget. More info on their website, madhousemedia.com.au. Do it today. I'd like to plug my book before I go, because why not? It's my podcast, after all. I just launched a book called How to Build Your Writer's Platform, and it's available now where all good ebooks are sold. Amazon, Apple, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and Smashwords. You can even grab a print copy from Amazon. What's it about? Well, it's about helping you sell more books by creating a writer's platform. If you've self-published a book or are considering it, You'll know the writing bit is hard, but the marketing bit is much, much harder. Having a writer's platform will help you sell more books. It's as simple as that. This isn't another how-to book about self-publishing. It's about what comes next. It tells you how to maximise your chances of self-publishing success by connecting with your audience. That's my new book, How to Build Your Writer's Platform. Check it out at madhousemedia.com.au. That's it for today. Remember all the show notes for today's podcast are on our website at ebookrevolutionpodcast.com. Plus every other show we've done. Check them out. I'm Jeff Hughes. See you later, ladies.